0: Let's pray, Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to come before your prayer, Lord. For now, you're working, and I thank you for that. And we pray, God, uh, that you will be with us today. Scripture that to... pray, God, pray that you'll be with... you would have us to know about you. What you would have us know about ourselves? We love you in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen. Amen. All right, turn with me in John to John chapter eleven. The Book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, we've been going through the series uh, called Salvation and Justification, uh, our declaration. So we've been by God. After that, well, there, there's no particular. Uh, we look at the orthos that how. You know, it's one thing that happens, but it's a lot of events that take place inside of that. We're going to begin, and today I'm just going to do a little introduction on sanctification. Friends named Lazarus, who had Martha Mary, they were all Jesus's. Lazarus Jesus died, and Jesus was. And so, some messengers came, they sent messages. The Bible said Jesus cried when he heard that. Um, so, you know, Jesus and his disciples journeyed to where Lazarus was. So, they started going to where he was. Lazarus is dead. And so everybody, you know, in 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 old Hebrew tradition, a lot of things they do for death. You remember how they wrapped Jesus up? They embalmed him and put some different kind of uh perfumes and incense and oils inside of him and wrapped him up cuz the person's dead, you know. Uh they wrapped him up real tight in what they call the death clothes, really really tight, almost mummy like. And then they put him in a tomb, whatever. Um and by the time Jesus got there for many many days, and so that's the scene that we come up on on um, verse 38 that uh, uh, Jesus' disciples show up back in the. His- hire people to come and mourn for you. So you go out and pay somebody, and they will come and cry, and they, that, that was their job to come and, and cry for you. so they'll be at your funeral.) <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, you've paid the money to do that. So, there's this whole thing that goes on. So, they're around a tomb morning, and Jesus shows up in verse 38, and Jesus moved again, came to the tomb. It was a camp. He stinketh. I knew that you always hear me, but I and Jesus said to unbind him and let him go King James says and Jesus said him and let him go now it's, it's interesting first of all we haven't seen this yet the idea of somebody dead in the tomb already wrapped up with the stone all that kind of stuff they push away the tomb. Jesus said come out. Lazarus gets up from the dead and walks out. But it's interesting what Jesus said. What Jesus said was unbind him, take off his clothes. Now, if you think about that, it would have been crazy for them to Yeah, let's Let's go to the store. Or let's And so it would be crazy to leave him in the clothes of a dead man because he was actually alive. Living people don't act like dead people. And dead people don't act like living people. There's a difference. You've seen, I don't know if you've seen those, or been to a funeral and seen somebody with a casket open. But dead people don't act like living And living people don't act like a change in Lazarus condition he was dead the change was now he's alive because there was a change in his condition there had to be a change in his conduct that's why the first thing Jesus said was loose him get him out of those dead man clothes because he's alive and that right there is what sanctification is wrapped up I mean, we could end the message right now because that's what sanctification is Sanctification is that process of understanding that I'm dead in my sins, but I am alive in Christ. And now that I'm alive in Christ, I no longer walk like, dress like, think like, have the clothes on of somebody that's dead. I now have to walk like, look like, talk like, think like somebody who's alive, and that's all. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. And I was thinking, which verses should I pull out of this? And I couldn't find it. So we're going to read the whole thing. Because this is, again, Paul down so beautifully, it's no need for me to add too much for what it says. And so you got to continue to think about that. Dead man, wrapped up. And it's not like... You know, we go to funerals today when people die. We put them in nice suits. We put them in a nice dress. No, they were dead clothes that they had. It was specifically for dead people. And so just get them out of that. So Paul in Romans, he'd already vacation. We looked at that in chapter five, but in Romans 6, verse one, I'm just going to read it. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? King James says, God forbid, may it never be so. How can we, watch this, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into... be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, we notice that our old self was crucified with him. He no longer has dominion over him. Death, it's about there's death. And he talks about there's life, life. And he said, we are to understand that when we get when we trust in Christ, once we are justified, then we are united with Christ in his death. So our old self has been crucified in order that sin might be brought to nothing. So if we died with Christ, then we can live with him also. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God for those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone... Sin, which leads to death, or the God, slaves of sin have become from the heart to understand the teaching which you were committed. And set you have from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking of human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. There's a word. For when you were slaves to sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in the time of those things which you are now ashamed? For in the end those things, but now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What Paul was saying in Romans chapter 6 was he was distinguishing the fact that it it pretty much mirrored what happened in John chapter 11. The idea that, just think about it, you came back to life, you walked out, Other of the grave, you walked out of the tomb, okay, somebody opened up the casket, you stepped out the casket, they take it off your grave clothes, your dirty clothes, they unwrapped you, they set you free. You take those first steps toward God, and you say, Oh, thank you, free, I'm alive, I once was dead. Then after a couple steps, you turn back. You go back, pick old, raggedy, dirty, stinking, filthy, death clothes. Put them back on. Those smelly clothes wrapping around your body again. Then you go back to the casket. Get back. They throw me back in the grave. I start acting like a dead man again. Jesus says, no. No, 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 no. I set you free. You're alive now. And once you were alive, you were dead. Now you're alive. And for the rest of your life, once he has set you free the rest of my life is learning how to act like a live man or someone who is alive or someone who is living and not act like a dead man. For the rest of my life now, my job is to learn how to think like someone who's alive and to stop thinking like someone who is dead. (laughs) What it says in Romans chapter 6 is when we go back to sin, when we, who have been saved, who have been freed, once we have sinful thoughts, once we have sinful actions, it is as if we're going back to the grave. We're going back getting those clothes, those grave clothes, those stinky, smelly, sweaty grave clothes, wrapping ourselves in it, jumping in the casket, and then throwing ourselves into the tomb. Saying, you know what, thank you for setting me free, You're making me alive, but I'm much and start acting and living and thinking like a dead man. Listen, consider yourself. Remind yourself. We talked about that a, a while ago. Recount, remember that you were dead in sin. When Christ died, he had our sins with him. And so my old man, Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 6. Our old man is dead. Why? Because we died with Christ. And now we have... New man or a new woman. and our new woman is alive. Why? Because Jesus was died, he was in the tomb, and in three days he rose again. That's so Paul said, we're alive with Christ now. And now that we're alive with Christ, now that that transition is to life, responsibility is now Think like you're alive. Move like you're alive. Respond like you're alive. And not like you're dead. And that's what sanctification is. It's a constant battle to put away those old habits, to put away those old patterns and behaviors and embrace this newness. A lot of differences. He talked about being slaves. You've heard about slaves and he said when you are something, you have no rights. You have to do what the master tells you to do. And what Paul says, when you were before you were saved, before you became a new person, you were slaves to sin. So you had to sin. That was what you that was your M.O. That was your thing. You had to sin. And you often gave your members to sin. Those that were member means your hands, your hands sin, your eyes sin, your ears listen to the wrong thing. Your eyes looked at the wrong thing. Your knees and and legs took you to the wrong to, to do that. That was what you did. But once you gave your life to Christ, once you trusted in Christ, once you became a new creature, Paul says, now you are no longer slaves to sin because Christ has set you free. And now I'm free, a slave to righteousness. So now I don't have to obey that sinful nature. And some of you may say, well, listen, Olu, I'm 12 something something years old. I went out drinking when I was young or you know I didn't steal cars or you know steal stuff from 711 you know I was born my parents was Christian I didn't do that kind of stuff so This old man new man thing I'm not I'm confused What I understand is it's just not just going back to the old way when we say old oh, man it doesn't mean way of, like the old things you used to do but it has to do with still connected to sin that part of you that get those bad thoughts says the wrong thinks the wrong thing. That's when we talk about old man, that's what we're talking about, because the old man basically is that uh, 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 um, being energized to what we call the flesh. And we'll get into that a little later. So sanctification. Paul mentions that several. Sanctification means to holy eyes, if you look at the original language. It means to holy eyes, to make holy. It's actually growing in holiness, or so it's that lifelong process in which believers, those of us who are saved, it's a lifelong process where we become conformed to the image of Christ. And here's the key, relying on the power of God to help us get rid of sin in our lives. That's what sanctification is. Now, the key there is, is a, life, a lifelong process. Sanctification is that I'm sanctified. It's a lifelong process where I work, I conform to the image. You know what conform means? Uh, um, this. Conform means take care of. So if you know have a grape juice, a uh, nice container. It's a, it's a functional thing. Box. If I took some of that grape juice and poured it into this cup, will it stay in that rectangular shape there? No. No. You pour it in, it's gonna take the shape of the cup. That's what conforming means. Conform means take the shape of. Conforming means you're getting inside something and you become like or shape like or act like. And so sanctification means conforming to the image of Christ. That means as I continue, continue to think, as I continue more and more begin to look like Christ. I more and more begin to respond like Christ. So when somebody approached me and come out their mouth sideways, my response to them depends on my level of sanctification. See, I could be early. <laughs> I'm still working on my sanctification. I might respond one way. But I've been saved for March 1980. Trusted in Christ, what? Twenty years? Something, some like twenty years. We're we'll rounded to twenty. It's around twenty years. <laughs> There's a level of sanctification of myself conforming to the image of Christ that I should be. And so, if somebody come out at my my response should be, "How would Christ respond to them?" You see what I'm saying? That's what. Sanctification means I'm conforming to the image of Christ, I'm being more like Christ, I'm thinking more like Christ, and I'm relying on the power of the God, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to, I like the word, mortify the sin in my life. Mortify has the idea of destroying the strength, or taking the vitality out of it, or taking the function or just killing. Killing the sin in my life. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Sanctification, growing in holiness. I'm becoming more like Christ. I'm being holier and holier and holier and holier. In Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 15, Paul talks more about this. I'll, I'll start at 14. I myself am satisfied about you that you yourselves are full of good and able to instruct one another. Verse 15. At some points, ah, but on some points, I to you. Very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of Christ, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Paul says that obedience is the foundation of sanctification. Pretty much what sanctification means is to be obedient to God. That's pretty much if you one word. Obedience. It's interesting. I'll get that later. So simply obedience to Christ. And Paul says in Romans chapter 15, what we just read, that the goal of his mission was sanctification. Look at that. He says, but by some points, uh, uh, because of the grace given to me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. His job, his mission was sanctification. So the goal of his mission was sanctification. That's what it was. Paul said, my goal is sanctification for the Gentiles. We are Gentiles. So sanctification was his goal. So how did he get to his goal? His mission was to win the obedience of the Gentiles, to bring the Gentiles to obedience. And so obedience is how we become sanctified. Turn to me to first Peter chapter two. Now, as I said, this is an introduction to sanctification because there is a lot we can get into it. But I wanted to set the stage biblically or scripturally. by. Looking where the scripture talks about sanctification, and we have that as a good foundation to begin to get deeper into it. That's why I'm reading a lot of scriptures and some entire chapters. First uh, Peter chapter one, verse two. So we're, this is in Jesus. Christ. See sanctification. You always see the idea of obedience. Obedience means to obey, trust and obey. No other way to be happy in Jesus, but to stand and obey. Okay, I got one. <laughs> obedience, to be happy in Jesus, to be sanctified, it comes with obedience. Keep looking in First Peter chapter 1, slide down to verse 14. This is this Peter still talking? I'm going to read 13 because it's good. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being, I like that, preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, that means chill, calm down, be focused. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ, verse fourteen. Watch this: as obedient children, do conform, Conform, Peter saying, do be conform. Do not take the shape of. Do not look like. Do not start to think like what Peter. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I like how, you, how he worded that. The passions of your former ignorance. Yeah, Peter said, don't be conformed to that. Don't take the shape of your former ignorance outside of what God wants you to do. But, verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. I love that. Be holy in your conduct. Conduct, what does holy mean? Like God, let your conduct, let your action, how you conduct yourself, how you move, how you think, how you talk out your mouth, those things you do when people are not looking, those things you do when people are looking, those thoughts that you're thinking, how you respond when people come out their mouth sideways, how you respond when you're angry, how you respond when you're mad, how you respond when you're sad. Peter said, Don't be conformed to how you used to do stuff, but As he will call you as holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since, as it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It is a command. God has commanded us to be, thank you, holy. Holy eyes, sanctification. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Here's the word again. Conduct yourself. Act like. Conduct yourself with fear. Throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but you were ransomed. Remember ransom meant to bought out? You've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. We just had communion. Christ shed his blood so that he may ransom us, so he may buy us. Like that lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And I like 22. Having purified your souls by your what? Obedience. Obedience. There's the word again. Purified, made clean, holy. Having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart obedience to the truth what is truth the word of God our sanctification our becoming like Christ uh, that lifelong process of relying on the power of God to kill sin in our lives is what it is Um, turn back to Romans please in Romans chapter 8 Paul is still talking about sanctification. And, and he starts off 8.1. And he uses those terms again. Therefore, there's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. And that verse on its own. The flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. So Paul talks about a contrast. He says the flesh and he says the spirit. He says those who live according to the flesh are going to act a certain way. Those who live according to the spirit are going to act another way. About flesh. The idea of the flesh is don't think of this. Don't think of your skin. Don't even think of your body. Okay? The flesh, simple, is an ideal or principal force in human nature that's bent towards sin. That's what the flesh is. So, f- this principal force in human nature that's bent towards sin. And so when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about that bent towards sin. What sin wants you to do, I'm ready to do what sin wants to do. So we have this flesh and his spirit. We have the old man. The old man is life that is actually not even life. It's that former way of life that's energized by the power of the flesh. So what's the flesh? The flesh is what's saying, hey, let's do some sin. Let's get some sin popping. Let's see what God said and do the exact opposite. That's what flesh is. And so the old man is that which is energized by the flesh. The new man is that which is energized by the Holy Spirit, followed through obedience and sanctification. So think of it this way. The is, we talked, the word I use was energize. So you think of energize, think about electricity. Anybody have a, a phone or something? You got to charge from time to time. And so you, you take it and you take it and you either plug it into the wall. You got some outlets. And so you plug it in the wall and the electricity turns to power. The power is converted and it stores energy and it energizes your phone or your radio or whatever. And you get to use it because it's being energized by the, you plugged it in. The old man has been energized by the flesh. And so it's like you wake up one morning and you got this plug attached to you and you decide, you make a decision. What am I going to plug in today? Am I going to plug into the flesh? And so if I wake up, I got an attitude. I'm already mad. And I say, you know what? Something just happened. I'm going to plug into the flesh. And so I take my body cord and I plug it into the flesh, that force that's bent towards sin. Now I'm hooked up to the flesh And so what you're going to see now is the old man Olu. You're going to see Olu who's responding to the old man. Why? Because I'm being energized by the flesh. I'm allowing the flesh to dictate what I do. Or I could wake up in the morning and say, you know, I'm going to be energized by the Holy Spirit. And so I take my body plug and I plug into the Holy Spirit. That's the new man. You see me acting and living and functioning because I'm being energized by the Spirit. The question is, what what are you plugged into? When times get hard... Where do you take your plug? Do you plug in the flesh? Because if you plug in the flesh, that principal force that's been towards sin, then you're going to act fleshy. You're going to act sinful. The old man. But if you take your plug and make the decision, and again, it's a decision. You don't get saved and God's like, do right. That's, that's not how it works. Sanctification is the lifelong process of me being more and more like Christ. Of me getting energized the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, every day you wake up, you say, okay, Olu, what am I going to be energized by today? Somebody come out of their mouth sideways before I respond. Okay, what I'm going to plug this into? Should I plug it into the flesh and cuss them straight out and pop off on them? Or should I plug it in the spirit and respond how Christ wants me to live? When somebody treats me wrong, when somebody does does something to me or is not fair toward me, okay, what should I do here? I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. Should I plug into the flesh and let the flesh dictate how I respond or should I plug into the Holy Spirit and the f- Spirit dictates how I respond? When I get those thoughts, like, man, I really want to do that, man. Oh, man, I got... Oh, man, let's... Me, let, me, let me check that thought first. Am I, is that thought coming because I'm plugged into the flesh or is that thought coming because I've been plugged into the Spirit? That's what sanctification is. It's that idea of understanding. Paul said, he, if you in the flesh, or act according to the flesh, that's death. But you have been saved now. Before, I only had one plug. That was Romans chapter 6 was talking about. When Paul said you were slave to sin, you only had one plug. So when you woke up in the morning, the only thing you could do was plug into the flesh. But now that I've been saved, now that Christ has died, now that I've received him, now I've trusted in him, now I've got two plugs. I am mean, sorry, two outlets. And I can decide, am I going to plug into the flesh and let the flesh that's bent towards sin dictate my actions my thoughts my words or am I going to plug into the spirit Paul says you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you so if you are in Christ then the spirit of God dwells in you And if the spirit of God dwells in you, Paul says, my responsibility now to plug into the spirit, the energy, that energizing force that allows me to be powered by the Holy Spirit. And and I I would love to read the rest of eight, but time is slipping away from me. But make sure you read uh, eight on your own time. Uh, Turn a couple of books over to Colossians chapter three. So that's the struggle. That's that's the battle. That's what we're in now. And and notice, I haven't said anything about Satan. I haven't said anything about Satan and his demons and temptation or other people do stuff. This is simply talking about ourselves. This isn't talking about Olu. Not the devil made me do it. This is Olu. This is a decision that I make every morning. This is a decision I make every day at my job. This is a decision I make at night. This is a decision I make. What am I going to be plugged into? Am I going to plug into the flesh and allow sin to dictate what I do? Get my power and energy from sin? Or am I going to get my power and energy from the Holy Spirit? Paul says in in Colossians chapter 3 that we have to put sin to death. Sin, what's sin? There are a lot of definitions for sin. I read this the other day. I thought it was cool. Sin is any failure to measure up to what God's requires or any disobedience to his command. This is so wonderful. Failure to measure up to what God's requires. So God's law. So anytime God has a law, God has a rule, God says, do this, and I don't. That's sin. Oh, and also sin is any outright disobedience. So you can say, I really haven't sinned. I I don't outright disobey. God say, don't lie. And I start lying. I'm good with that. But you got to know another part of the definition. It's failure to measure up to God. God has a standard that he requires. And so when we don't measure up to his standard, then we are, in fact, in sin. Sin is deep-rooted inside of us, and it takes a deliberate effort to put it to death. That's what I want to really relate today. And I, I, this has really been convicting me all the time studying for this. Sin is something that you just can't passively chill with and hope and expect that uh, yeah, uh, this is just a phase I'm in. You know what I'm saying? I, it'll, it'll be all right. I'll read my Bible a couple times. I'll be good to go. That's not it. Paul is saying, look at uh, uh, Colossians chapter three, verse five. Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. <laughs> I like that. So we talk about the flesh and the spirit. We talk about the old man and the new man. Paul uses a new term here. What is earthly? That means has that has his seed and its depth and its origin here on earth. Not of things heavenly things, but earthly things. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, uh, uh, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger. Somebody just just naturally angry all the time. Just angry for no reason or for a reason. Just angry. Wrath, malice, slander obscene talk from your mouth do not lie to each other seeing that you've put off the old self and its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator Paul says put to death therefore the sin that's in your life that word put to death uh, uh, is the word in the original English means necro it means to slay utterly to kill utterly slaughter. I don't want to get too graphic. But when you're slaughtering something, when you're slaying something, it's. That's what that word there means. Paul says you have to forcefully, decisively, and with an urgency destroy sin in your life. The meaning of the verb and the force of the tense suggests that act of personal determination so when Paul says you have to destroy sin you have to deliberately violently vigorously and painfully kill sin in your life Paul says in another chapter I beat myself daily it's a constant thing that you have to do with sin you just can't chill with sin you just say oh you know what I'm just going to chill and I remember that um, uh, that veggie tale story the apple, like a bad apple came to town. And and, and and y'all remember? Come on, somebody. A bad apple came to town. I forgot her name. The bad, apple. the bad apple. That's what it was. And she was like a spider apple for some kind of way. And, 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 and it started small and everybody was all excited. And then it began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And grow. And grow. And by the end of the show, it was like this monstrous thing that had been built. That's what, kind of like what sin is. If you sit with sin, you chill with it, you say, oh, you know, it's going to pass. Oh, I'm going to play with it. Oh, I'm just going to, oh, I'm not going to all away. I'm just going to, Oh, I'm just going to listen to this a little bit. Oh, I'm just going to talk to this dude a little bit. Oh, I'm just going to talk to this chick a little bit. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this a little bit. Oh, I'm, I know my mama said, don't do that. I'm not doing that. I'm just doing this. It's kind of like that. Paul says we have to destroy sin in our life. You have to utterly slay it with some urgency, decisively destroy sin in your life. I read this and I'll read it to you. The eloquent pastor, Alexandra McLean, likens this action, for with this verb to mortify or to kill or destroy, to the picture of a man who while working in a machine gets his finger caught between the rollers and a conveyor belt. So you, this guy was working and his conveyor go, going and these things, whatever he's working, it goes through and it, was, uh, uh, it would take it and smash whatever went through all the way. And it was a machine. It was thousands and thousands of pounds. And the guy, likens this guy to get his finger caught in. And he got his finger caught and he starts pulling him before this thing that's going to smash him to a pool of blistering blood and bones. And as he's going forward, he has no recourse. He's about to die. He's about to be smashed. And he thinks, you know what, instead of my whole body dying, he finds an axe and he, boom, chopped his wrist off. You think, wow, that's crazy. I don't know if I can do that. That's violent. That, that's, that's drastic. That's the same word that's here that Paul used when he says, put the death sin in your life. Because that sin will take you and it will smash you and it will destroy you. And so Paul says, you have to make that decision. <laughs> cut it off. Jesus said the same thing. If you look back at Bible, he said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your left hand is acting up, cut it off. That is the violence or the vigorousness or the sense of urgency that is connected to the sin that's in our life. That's why you heard these things put to death. Paul said don't play with it. The painting, he paints a very strong picture here. One that suggests that we are not simply to suppress or control evil. You know what, I'm going to suppress my sin. I'm going to, you know what, I can control it. You know, a lot of people can't, but I know just the amount of, no. Nah, we ought to wipe it out completely, exterminate the old way of life. That is what sanctification is. Sanctification is my lifelong process of destroying sin in my life. Because I destroy sin, I make sure I'm not plugged into the flesh. I make sure I'm plugged into the spirit. And as I'm plugged into the spirit, I'm getting power from the spirit that's giving me the power to destroy sin in my life. And so now I'm beginning to take edge or take the sh- or who Christ is. Actions so are like Christ. Thoughts are like Christ. Words are like Christ. Decisions are like Christ. That's what sanctification. is. So how do I be saying? How am I sanctified? John seventeen. I'm gonna go through these verses quickly. John seventeen seventeen. <laughs> I love this one because this is Jesus praying for us. He's talking to God. He's about to go to the cross, and he's praying for us. Those who uh, uh, Aren't even born yet. He says, sanctify them, talking to God, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. How I'm sanctified by the truth. What's the truth? The word of God. So, how do I become sanctified? Well, I got to plug myself in the spirit. What's the best? the word of God. So you're plugged into what the scriptures is. And so you're putting the word of God, whether it's uh, genealogies or whether it's money or whether it's people's names, you are putting the word of God in your life. Why? That's allowing you to be plugged into the spirit because that's what truth is. We're sanctified by the truth and the truth is the word of God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Philippians 2 12. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. 212. This is Paul again. He says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, a, obedience. As you now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, I will salvation. Now notice Paul didn't say work for your salvation. Salvation is not something we work for, it's not by works of righteousness. We're saved by grace, not by works. But Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling." That means I got to put some work into salvation. I got to put some feet to my faith. I got to have some actions. There's got to be me. I can't sit back. I think of it like, you know, I know this is a lower scale, but I think about it like a marriage. I have to work at my marriage. I can't get married and then hit cruise control. That does not work. I promise you that. That's something I have to work at daily. I have to put work. I got to put effort. I got to put thoughts. I got to put things to work for my marriage to make sure my marriage continues to be strong. Paul says for our salvation, we have to work. Work out your salvation with fear and tribulation. And notice he said, work out your own salvation. He makes it personal. That means that every day I need to start thinking, okay, first of all, when I wake up, what am I going to plug into today? Am I going to plug into the flesh or am I going to plug into the spirit? Second of all, how am I working out my salvation today? How am I making sure I am walking in obedience to Christ today? How am I making sure I'm not attached to the flesh today? How am I making sure I am killing, destroying, mortifying sin in my life today? Colossians 3.5, we already read that. It said kill the sin. Put the death the sin in your life. Romans 13.13. 13. I got a new Bible, y'all, so it's taking me some time to figure out where the books and stuff are. Romans 13, 13, I like this. Let us therefore, let us walk properly. I like that. As in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling, always fussing, always fighting, always finding a way to, and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't make it easy. Make no provision. Don't make it easy for the flesh. we talked talking about what the flesh was. Romans 12, 1 and 2, last verse. Therefore, I'll read it in the ESV. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. How do I be sanctified? How do I make sure I'm plugged into the spirit and not the flesh? How do I make sure I'm putting, death, putting to death the flesh, putting to death the sin in my life? How do I make sure that I'm trying to be conformed, take the shape of the image of Christ? Paul says, by making your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed. There's that word again. Do not be conformed. Don't take the shape of this world, but be transformers. Oh, that means the eyes. I always wanted to do that. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a transformation from old man to new man, from flesh to to spirit, take it back to Lazarus, from dead to life, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable and perfect, that is how we are sanctified, that is what sanctification is, I had a couple of quotes I want to get to, I wanted to get to, I'm not going to get to all of them, but um, I I think the first one is pretty good, it's out of this book, it starts off with the we usually, I don't know if you had that one Miami But it says we usually think of law leading us to gospel. And this is true. We see God's standards. We see our sin. Then we see our need for a savior. But it's just as true that the gospel leads us to law. The good news of the gospel leads to gracious instructions for obeying God. A lot of time you hear preachers or you hear people say that we're not in the law anymore. We're in the grace. Almost. God's law is still God's law. So it's still our responsibility to follow his law. And that's what obedience is. And that's what sanctification is. So um, like I said, I wanted to give like an introduction of what sanctification was, show you some scriptures as a scriptural foundation, and then we'll chop it up and get a little deeper in it. But if, if you remember anything, remember that plug. When you wake up in the morning, when that person approaches you, when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're bored, the question is when someone is when that temptation comes. The question is, okay, before I make a decision, what am I going to plug into? Am I going to plug Olu into the flesh and then make the decision or then say what I'm thinking? Or should I plug into, am I going to plug into the spirit? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, how we have died with you. And we thank you, Lord, how you set us free by shedding your precious blood. And now those of us, we we, we who once were dead, God, are now alive because you rose again in three days, and we thank you for that, God. I pray, God, that you will help us, God. We thank you for your spirit, which your word says gives us the power to be energized with the spirit, to live like the new man, to live as a spirit, to conform to the image of you, God. And I pray, God, that we will be a church, that we will be individual, that we will be husbands, we will be wives, we will be kids, we will be boys and girls and women.